May that be our prayer, that our lives be consecrated uh, to the Lord. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Chronicles 29, 1 to 20, as we'll be looking this morning. We're taking a little break from our series on building blocks of a godly home, and uh, we're going to emphasize our 1% more debt elimination emphasis, which kicks off next week, and I'll have more to say about that as this message is geared towards our 1% more emphasis that Rob uh, mentioned uh, last week. Uh, Before I get started, I just want to let you know, if you hadn't noticed, there is an insert in the bulletin with all our graduates on them, so if you there are some that couldn't be here this morning, so that is in our uh, bulletin. So let's look at 1 Chronicles 29, verses 1 through 20. Before I get started, I just want to share a little story. There was a dad and his young son, they were getting in the car, and it was during the de- days when seatbelts weren't required. You remember those days when there were no seatbelts, and you could stand up and run all over the car and do whatever you wanted? Uh, but they both got in the car, and the son was standing on the seat, so he could see out the window, and the dad told him to sit down, and the son wouldn't sit down. He told him again to sit down, and the son wouldn't sit down. The boy saw he was going to be in serious trouble, so he finally decided he better sit down. So after a few minutes of pouting, he said, Dad, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. (laughs) You see, that son was not willing to sit down, but he reluctantly chose to. And this idea of being willing is crucial to the Christian faith. Because as believers, we must be willing to love God. We must be willing to obey God. We must be willing to serve God and follow God and worship God and go for God. And God does not want us to reluctantly follow Him or worship Him or serve Him or love Him, but He wants us to willingly do those things. And He wants us to actively and eagerly live a life of obedience to Him. And sometimes God asks us things to ask us to do things that are not comfortable. I think of Noah. It probably wasn't comfortable for Noah to build an ark over 120 years when no one had ever seen rain. That probably wasn't comfortable, but you know what? He did it. Sometimes God asks us to do things that we thought we would never do. I'm sure Moses never thought he would lead over a million Israelites through the wilderness. Or maybe sometimes God asks us to do things that we thought we could never do. I think of Abraham. When first God called Abraham out, Abraham had never met met God. He had no idea who God was, but he was willing to follow him. And then God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And then sometimes God asks us to do things that we just don't want to do. I think of Jonah. When Jonah refused to go to Nineveh because he thought they weren't deserving of God's love. He said they're too evil. And so he chose to go the other way, but God got his attention And brought him back, and he finally decided to follow God. You see, how we respond to God is an indication of how much we really trust God. And last week, Rob, our treasurer and stewardship chairman, he introduced something that I think is exciting. But it's going to require a willingness on everyone's part. It's called 1% more. And the purpose of this emphasis is to eliminate the debt on our family life center. And as Rob said, this is not a campaign, this is not a, there's no commitment cards, there's no pressure, it's simply an invitation to give. And what we are praying for is that the remaining balance of the Family Life Center loan of $141,000 will be paid off by the end 
of October. And for 1% more, our goal is $40,000. And if everyone chips in and gives 1% more, meaning 1% over their tithe, so that means if you tithe on $60,000, then you would pray about giving $600 more. If everyone did that, we would more than surpass our goal of 40000 And I want to make this clear. This is different from your tithe. Please don't give to 1% more and, and say, well, I gave my tithe. This is in addition to your tithe. This is not the building fund. When you give, make sure you designate it to 1% more. It's something completely separate. And there are two major giving Sundays. Next Sunday, May 22nd, is the first one. And we want to encourage everyone who can give their 1% more to do so next Sunday because this would create the momentum we need to get off to a great start. The offering next Sunday alone could get us close to or under $100,000. Now, if you can't give all of your 1% more next Sunday, you say, there's no way I can do that. That's okay. There's another major giving Sunday in October. You can choose to give then, or you can choose to spread that 1% more out over these next five months, either weekly or monthly, however God leads you to do it. Because however you choose to give, and however much you want to give, is between you and God and no one else. As I share with you this morning from 1 Chronicles 29, 1 through 20, the question I want to ask you in regards to this 1% more debt elimination emphasis is this. Are you willing to give 1% more to eliminate the debt on the Family Life Center? And before you say yes, I want to give you some insight into what 1% more is, what it should be, and what it will be based on 1 Chronicles 29, 1 through 20. So listen as I... Read this passage. It says, Then King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, God has chosen him alone. He's young and inexperienced. The task is great, for the temple will be not for man, but for the Lord God. So to the best of my ability, I made provision for the house of my God, gold or the gold articles, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, wood for the wood, as well as onyx, stones for mounting, antimony, stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and a great quantity of marble. Moreover, because of my delight in the house of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the house of my God over and above all that I've provided for the holy house. 100 tons of gold, 250 tons of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the buildings. The gold for the gold work, the silver for the silver, for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now who who will volunteer to consecrate himself to the Lord today? The leaders of the household, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of the thousands and hundreds, the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. For the service of God's house, they gave 185 tons of gold, 10,000 gold drachmas, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, 4,000 tons of iron. Whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the Lord's house under the care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced because of their leader's willingness to give, for they had given to the Lord with a whole heart. King David also rejoiced greatly. Then David praised the Lord in the sight of the assembly. David said, May you be praised, Lord God of our father Israel, from eternity to eternity. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty, for everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you. You are the ruler of everything. And your hand are power and might, and in it is your hand 
to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? For everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your own hand. For we all foreigners and sojourners in your presence as were all our ancestors. Our days on the earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this wealth that we provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand. Everything belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart. You are pleased with uprightness. I have willingly given all these things with an upright heart. And now I have seen your people who are present here giving joyfully and willingly to you. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our ancestors, keep this desire forever in the thoughts of the hearts of your people and confirm their hearts towards you. Give my son Solomon a whole heart to keep and to carry out all your commandments your decrees and your statutes, and build the temple for which I have made provision. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So the whole assembly praised the Lord, God of their ancestors. They bowed down and paid homage to the Lord and the king. Over these next few minutes, I want to share with you six things about 1% more based on this passage. The first thing is this. 1% more is a significant task. It is a significant task. In 1 Chronicles 22, 7 through 10, God told David that he would not be the one to build the temple, but instead the task would be left to his son Solomon. And David graciously accepted the fact that Solomon, his son, would be the one to build the temple and not him. And he was not jealous of Solomon being the one chosen to build the temple, but instead he was willing to make the preparations necessary so Solomon could carry out the task that God had given him in building the temple. And David realized that Solomon was young. He realized Solomon was inexperienced, and he knew this was an important task, that this was a significant task. This was a God-sized task because the temple would be the permanent dwelling place of the very presence of God. It would be the permanent place of worship for the Israelites, unlike the tabernacle which they were using, which was temporary. And David took this job seriously. He gathered the funds. He gathered the material. He understood the significance of helping Solomon build God's temple. And in fact, in verse 1, he says, This palatial structure is not for man, but for God. That word palatial means it's a royal fortress. It's a palace. It's reminding the people that the structure was being built was not for the physical king of Israel. But this structure was for the spiritual king of Israel. This temple was not for any king, but for the king of kings, Yahweh, the true and living God. And the extent to which Solomon and other kings were to be successful, it depended upon whether or not they recognized God as the one true king. And if you know the history of Israel, very few kings recognized God as the one true king. The northern kingdom Israel, out of 19 kings... You know how many were good? Zero. There was not one single righteous king in the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom, out of 20 kings, seven were considered righteous. That's 35%. And because these kings did not recognize God as the one true king, they paid the consequences. They paid for it. And graduates, as you begin to get out on your own and make your own decision. Please remember that Jesus needs to be the king of every area of your life. And living your life for him is a significant task that you cannot take 
lightly. And all of us need to remember that Jesus should be the Lord of every area of our lives, including our finances. And why does he need to be over all things in our lives? Because he possesses all things. David said that in 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. He said, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty. For everything in the heavens and the earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. You see, nothing we have really belongs to us. Everything we have belongs to God, including our lives, including our resources. Everything we have is not ours, but His. And just like the building of the temple was a God-sized task and was a significant task, the debt elimination emphasis that we are kicking off next week to pay off the Family Life Center is a significant task. And this is something that can only be accomplished through God. And I want you to think about this. The beginning balance on the Family Life Center alone was around $2.7 million. The balance now is $141,000. This means that over the past 17 years that 94.8% of this debt has been paid. There is only 5% that is left. And the Family Life Center has served our church well, because I think it was intended, it's been used for its intended purpose. Its purpose was ministry. Its purpose was outreach. It's also been used for our Wednesday night meals and our Thanksgiving meals and other events. But the main purpose of the Family Life Center was for upward basketball and cheerleading. And Bill, correct me if I'm wrong, I did some rough numbers here. But over the past 17 seasons, I estimated we have had over 5,000 kids participate. We have had well over 3,000 families who have been part of Upward. We exposed over probably 12 or 13,000 people to the gospel of Jesus Christ through Upward. I don't know another ministry a church can do to reach that many people with the gospel over a period of 17 years, over a three-month period each year. Every weekend, we have probably close to 800 to 1,000 people coming through our doors, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? For basketball, for cheerleading. So this building that we built has accomplished its purpose. And we need to, and I realize financial times are not easy. Gas prices are skyrocketing. Grocery prices keep rising. Inflation has a record high. So how can we accomplish this 1% more in this economic environment? By understanding this is not something we, sh we should think we have to do. Instead, we should think this is something we know that God can do and will do. Because it's not about what we can do. It's about what He can do through us. And I think of the song, there's nothing that our God can't do, there's nothing that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way, there's nothing that our God can't do. If there is nothing that God can't do, then even in these tough economic times, God can give us the resources to pay off the remaining debt of the Family Life Center. So if we're going to reach our goal of 40000 and eliminate our debt by the end of October, this is a significant task, a God-sized task. Only something he can do. And in November, wouldn't it be great to have a note-burning celebration? That would be a great way to give thanks to God. 
Second thing I want to point out, 1% more has to be a sacrificial task. In verse 2, it says, David says, So the best of my ability, I've made provision for the house of my God. David gave from his own personal wealth for the building of the temple. He gave of his own resources, and he challenged the Israelites to do the same. David sacrificed. Scripture says he gave over and above. And when we give over and above to God, it's not a tithe, but an offering. A tithe is what God normally expects us to give as a percentage of 10% based on our income. That's not considered a sacrifice. Because as our income increases or decreases, so does our tithe. But an offering is a sacrifice. It goes above and beyond the tithe. And just as David sacrificed, we need to sacrifice. And there are times where God asks us to be willing to give above and beyond what we normally give or want to give. And to give 1% more may require some sacrifices on our parts. Maybe you need to change your cable subscription. There's nothing on anyway worth watching. That's what I need to do. It's not worth paying over $200 a month to watch TV. Maybe you need to go out to eat a little less. Maybe you need to cut back on your streaming subscription. Maybe you need to vacation a little differently. But I want to encourage you to ask God what changes need to be made in your life. What sacrifices you need to make so you can give above and beyond what you normally give to help eliminate the debt on the Family Life Center. And without sacrificial giving of the Israelites, the temple could not have been built. And without our sacrificial giving, the Family Life Center debt will not be eliminated. And I know many of you have given faithfully and sacrificially over all these years. And because of your giving and because of your sacrifice, the debt has been reduced significantly. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. And thank you for your sacrifice. But I also want to encourage you to not grow weary in well-doing, as Paul said in Galatians 6-9. Don't stop now, as the goal of being debt-free is in sight. And if we're going to eliminate the debt, it's going to take all of us working together by giving sacrificially. This is not something anybody can do alone, but it is something that we can do all together. The third thing I want to say is 1% more is a spiritual task. In verse 5, at the end of verse 5, David asks the question, Who will volunteer? Some translations say, Who is willing? David wanted to know who was all in, who was going to be devoted to the task of rebuilding, of building the temple. And we may not have David's wealth. Did you catch all the tons of silver and gold that they gave? We may not have David's wealth, because if we did, there wouldn't be any need for a 1% more debt elimination emphasis, and we'd have paid this building off years ago. But we may not have that debt, or that wealth that David had, but we can have the willingness that David had. You see, it's not what we give that matters as much as it is our desire to give. And notice David did not just ask who is willing and stop there, but he asked who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord, Yahweh. And we just sang a song a few minutes ago that said, Take my life and let it be consecrated unto you, Lord, today. You see, to consecrate, it means to make holy or to dedicate to a higher purpose. It literally means to fill the hand. It means to come with full hands to Yahweh. And in the Old Testament, it was used many times in referring to the ordination of the priesthood. 
And in this case, David was asking the Israelites to pledge themselves as a kingdom of priests, to pledge themselves as a holy nation. And consecrate also carries with it the idea of providing oneself with something which one then brings to the Lord. It's the idea of offering an offering. So by giving to the building of the temple, the Israelites would be dedicating themselves and the building to a higher purpose, which was the service and the worship of God. In essence, they would be offering themselves to God by offering their gifts to God. See, it just wasn't about the gifts. It was the attitude behind the gifts. So David viewed these gifts and these sacrificial offerings as symbols of the Israelites giving themselves to the Lord as he has done. And when we give to the Lord, when we come to him with full hands and completely surrendered hearts, we demonstrate our love for him and our devotion to him. And we demonstrate that we want to offer ourselves to him as well. When we give to God, we show that we're dedicated to him. We're dedicated to his purpose. You know how we show someone how much we love them? It's by how much we give of ourselves to that person. And if all we do is say that we love someone and never show them love in other ways, that person is going to question how much we really love them. And they have every right to. And the same is our relationship with God. If we truly love God, it will be evident in our words and our actions. It will be evident in how we live for Him. It will be evident in how we give ourselves to Him. And when you give back to God, you're only giving back what He has already given you. And you are thanking Him for what He's done for you. The sacrifice He made and the giving of His Son so your sins could be forgiven and so you could have eternal life. And because God sacrificed greatly for us, we should be willing to sacrifice for Him and give ourselves to Him. And remember this, that God not only possesses all things, He provides all things. In verse 14 of chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles, David said, Who am I, who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? For everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Verse 16, Lord our God, all this wealth we provided for a building, you, a house for your holy name, comes from your hand. Everything belongs to you. So God only possesses all things. God provides all things. And so by giving back to God a portion of what he's given us, whether it's our lives, whether it's our time, whether it's our finances, we acknowledge that we are devoted to him. We acknowledge that we love him. It's a way of us of giving thanks to him for what he's done for us. And I want you to think about what God has given you. I want you to think about how God has been gracious to you. And I want you to ask yourself, what are you willing to bring before him and give to him today? The fourth thing I want to share is 1% more should be a spirited task. Notice the response to David's question, who was willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord? The Israelites said, we are. They could not wait to give. They gave with enthusiasm. They did not give begrudgingly or reluctantly. They gave wholeheartedly. They gave willingly. They gave not out of obligation, but out of their heart, out of love for God and their devotion to God. A mother wanted to teach her daughter a moral lesson, so she gave the little girl a quarter, and she gave her a dollar for church, and she told her this. She said, put whichever one in the offering plate that you want, 
and then keep the other one for yourself. So when they were coming out of the church, the mother asked her daughter which amount she had given. Well, the girl said, I was going to give the dollar. But just before the man in the pulpit said, we should be cheerful givers, I know I'd be a lot more cheerful if I gave the quarter instead. So that's a great example of giving reluctantly and not willingly or cheerfully. We should not give like this little girl gave. We need to give like the Israelites gave. We need to be excited to give. We need to be willing to give. And not out of compulsion, but out of devotion and thankfulness to God. And we should see it as an honor and a privilege to give back to God what He has given us. Because as God possesses all things and provides all things, He asks us to manage the things that He has given us. And in our management of what He has given us, He wants us to give back to Him through our lives and through our tithes and our offerings. And these Israelite leaders displayed the right attitude toward their finances. They displayed the right attitude toward their resources by giving willingly to God's work. And when we are generous with what God has given us, we are showing thankfulness to Him. And our attitude towards giving can inspire and challenge others to give as well. Because as David gave enthusiastically, and David gave willingly, and David set the example, the Israelites were willing to follow his example, and they were challenged and inspired by David. So this morning, I want to encourage you and challenge you to give with the right spirit, to give generously, to give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. And as your pastor and as a staff and as deacons, as church leaders, we need to set the example for the rest of the church. Because as leaders, we can't ask you to give if we're not willing to give. And don't limit God to 1% more. Maybe he wants you to give 2% more. Maybe he wants you to give 5% more, 10% more. Whatever God wants you to give, we need to be willing to give it. Understanding that he is the one who's given to us and all we're doing is giving it back to him in appreciation for who he is and what he's done for us. Give with the right spirit what God has asked you to give. The fifth thing, 1% more should be a steadfast task. As he said in verses 18 and 19, he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our ancestors, keep this desire forever in the thoughts of your people. Confirm their hearts towards you. Give my son Solomon a whole heart to keep and to carry out all your commandments, your decrees, and your statutes, and to build the temple for which I have made provision. Just because the people gave an abundance for ride for the building of the temple, it did not mean that the work was done. David's prayer was that this desire to give willingly to the Lord would remain in the hearts forever and that their hearts would remain loyal to God. David asked the Lord to establish a perfect heart both in Solomon and in Israel so that the temple would be built and that God's commands would be continued to be kept. And notice that the building of the temple is intertwined with the law. You can't separate the law from the building of the temple. And because once again, David was emphasizing not only was the temple to be dedicated to God, but they were to dedicate their lives to God. Because David knew a temple without Israelites who were wholeheartedly and completely devoted to God and his law would be an empty gesture. So David prayed that Solomon, above all else, would serve God the rest of his life. And this is what God wants for us. 
He wants us to be completely devoted to him. He wants us to dedicate our lives to him. He wants us to serve him above all else. And David is saying to the Israelites, even though the temple has been paid for, and even though it's going to be built, there's still more work to do. You see, the temple, the dwelling place of God, it was to be a visible witness for God. In the same way, we, now being the temple, the very dwelling place of God, as God's Spirit lives within us, and these buildings we meet in and worship in are to be used to tell the world about Jesus. We are to be a visible witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we pay off the Family Life Center, we can't act like the task is complete because it doesn't mean the work is done. Because the task is just not eliminating the debt, but it's also making a commitment to continue to use that building to help people grow in Christ and to use that building to continue to help people see their need for Jesus. As a church and in our lives, we need to chart a course for God that is unwavering in love, unwavering in allegiance, and unwavering in conviction. And we need to be a church, a body of believers who desire to impact lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ for generations to come. Because a church building without people who are steadfast in their faith and completely devoted to God and His work in reality is an empty church and is a dead church. And think about what happened to the temple because the Israelites didn't do what David said. That God destroyed His own place of worship in AD 70 using the Romans, a pagan nation, to destroy His own place of worship that David built. And David and Solomon built. Why? Because they turned their back on God. They were not devoted to God. You look at churches scattered throughout our nation and scattered throughout Europe who used to be beacons for the gospel and lighthouses for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now many of those are just historical buildings that have no gospel witness whatsoever. Many of those buildings have been taken over by other non-religious groups or even Muslims have taken over Churches that were once vibrant for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, we can't think that the work is done when the building, when that debt is eliminated. The work continues, but the debt is gone. And because the debt is eliminated, it will allow us to do more, which I'll get to in a minute. But a church that is not devoted to God is void of the presence of God. So let's not be guilty of being stagnant in our faith of being dead in our faith. But let's be known as a church who's steadfast in our faith and alive in our faith. The last thing I want to share is 1% more will be a satisfying task. Verses 9 and 10, Then the people rejoiced because of their leader's willingness to give, for they had given to the Lord with a whole heart. King David rejoiced greatly. Then David praised the Lord in sight of all the assembly. And then verse 13 He says, now therefore, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. And then verse 20, David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So the whole assembly praised the Lord God of their ancestors. They bowed down and paid homage to the Lord and the king. You see, for the Israelites, their giving turned into a time of rejoicing. It turned into a time of praise. It turned into a time of celebration. And it was rewarded for them to give back to the Lord what he had given to them. 
You see, anytime we do something for God, it should be a joy and not a burden. It should be a joy to serve God. It should be a joy to love God. It should be a joy to worship God. It should be a joy to follow God. It should be a joy to give back to God. Because when you do something for the Lord, you do it for Him and you're not doing it for yourself. It's like giving a gift to someone. You don't give a gift to someone expecting them to give you a gift in return. You do it out of love. You desire to give them a gift. You are excited about giving them a gift. And when we give to God, we should be excited to give to Him and honor Him. Because when you give to God, you will be blessed by God. Captain Levy, a believer from Philadelphia, he was once asked how he could give so much to the Lord's work and still possess great wealth. This is what he said. As I shovel it out, he shovels it in. The Lord has a bigger shovel than I do. Isn't that the truth? The more we give God, the more apt he is to give us and to bless us. When we shovel it out and give it to him, he shovels it back in. He can give us so much more than we can give Him. We cannot outgive God. I dare you to try it. You won't be able to do it. And when, not if this debt is eliminated, we can rejoice greatly. Because when things are accomplished for God to further the kingdom of God, we need to praise Him. And eliminating the debt will be a satisfying task. And it will enable us to extend the kingdom of God for years to come. It will allow us to free, have funds freed up so that we can do other things. It's just like personal debt. When you have personal debt in your life, you can't do some of the things that you wish you could do until that debt's paid off. It's the same thing for us as a church. There are some things that we're not able to do right now that we want to do until this debt is eliminated. We want to increase our missions giving to the Tates Creek Baptist Association and the cooperative program. We want to maybe update our facilities and do some maintenance that had been to put off because of the debt on the Family Life Center. Because of it being paid off, we may be able to offer our incoming student pastor a little more money and free up some funds there. And we might be able to increase funding to different ministry areas. You see, the more resources we have available to reach people with the gospel the greater impact we have on the kingdom of God. You see, by eliminating the Family Life Center debt, this will allow us and future generations to serve God faithfully and continue to be a light in darkness in Madison County and in Richmond. And when you do something for God because you want to and not because you have to, you will have joy. You will be satisfied. He will be satisfied. And he will reward you for what you gave to him. Second Chronicles 15.7 said, Be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. In First Chronicles 28.20, this is what David told Solomon before he talked about the contributions to building the temple. He said this, David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord my God is with you. He won't leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the Lord's house is finished. David advised Solomon not to be fearful about the size of the task. He said, I know this task looks great. This task looks impossible. But don't fear. You have nothing to fear because God is with you as you build his temple, his place 
of worship. You see, the remedy for fear is focus. David was telling Solomon, don't focus on the fear. Focus on your God. Because the size of the task is great. The risk is great. The pressure of the situation may it cause you to free Solomon and do absolutely nothing. But you see, God doesn't want us to do nothing. God wants us to do something, and he wants us to do it now. And can you imagine what was going through Solomon's mind when he was told that he had the responsibility to build God's place of worship? I think there was probably some fear. I think there was probably some hesitation, maybe thinking, David, how come you can't do it? But David, or God had chose Solomon to be the one to build his temple. David knew this was a significant task, that this was a spiritual task that was going to require sacrifice. And our 1% more emphasis is a significant task. It's a spiritual task that's going to require sacrifice as well. And next Sunday, we'll start the work of eliminating the debt as it's our first major emphasis giving Sunday and the second one being October 30th. And as I said earlier, if you can give all of your 1% more next week, that would be great. But if you need to spread it out over time, over these five months, that is fine as well. You can put in the offering plate. You can give online. But however you give, make sure you designate it for 1% more. 141000 sounds like a lot of money. But in the scheme of things, it's not a lot. 95% of the debt has been paid. We only have 5% more to go. This is not a lot. This is a doable task if we all work together and do our part. And if we all give 1% more, we will more than surpass our goal of 40000 And we will be able to celebrate what God has done in November. And the biggest thing you can do is pray. Ask God what he wants you and your family to give. Maybe it's 1% or maybe it's more than 1%. There's no commitment card. There's no pressure. We're simply giving you the opportunity to give back to God a portion of what he has given you so we can pay off our family life center debt and continue to extend the kingdom of God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I do sass that whatever you give, give it with the right spirit. And if we are able to give what God asks us to give, we will be satisfied. We will be able to celebrate. And we will be able to say, look at what God has done. The question I pose to you this morning is the same question David posed to the nation of Israel in verse 5. Are you willing to give to God by giving 1% more? Are you willing to give it freely and wholeheartedly? And this morning, I want to challenge you and maybe your family, maybe start praying now by coming to this altar and, and praying for our church and asking God to show you what He wants you to give. Or if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to invite you to give your life to Him this morning because it doesn't matter how much you give for, to Jesus. It doesn't matter what you do to Jesus if you've never given your life to Him. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've given your life to Christ and you want to follow him in baptism. We'd love to show you how you can do that. Or 
Maybe God's calling you to be part of our church family by joining Red House Baptist. We'd love to show you how you can do that as well. Whatever God leads you to this morning, I ask you to be obedient to Him. Wouldn't it be wonderful this altar was full of God's people praying, asking God, how can I give myself to you more? And how much do you want me to give to 1% more so we can eliminate the Family Life Center debt? What you do this morning is between you and God. But I'm going to pray and then give you an opportunity to respond by coming to this altar or staying in your seat. If you need to talk to me or pray with me, I'll be down front. Let's pray as we go into our time of commitment. Father, we just come before you this morning. We just thank you, God, for your love for us. We just thank you, Father, for how much you've given us. And Father, the greatest gift you've given us is your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you that Jesus was willing to go to the cross for us and give his life for us. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that you were willing to make for us, God. And Father, this morning, I pray if there's someone not here who, someone here who does not know you, I pray today they would say, I want to give my life to Jesus. And Father, for those of us who have given our lives to you, Father, may we understand the only response that you ask is that we give back to you what you've given to us. God, you want us to give back our lives to you. Father, you want us to give our finances to you. You want us to give our resources to you. Father, there's not an area in our life that you don't want us to give back to you. And Father, may we understand that you provide all things, you possess all things. And God, you've asked us to manage your things. And this morning, as we embark on this 1% more debt elimination emphasis, God, I pray that you would place on each of our hearts what you want us to give so we can eliminate our debt on the Family Life Center so we can do more for you and for your kingdom and as a church. God, I pray that each family, each person here would would just ask you, Father, what do you want me to give? Father, maybe it's giving all next week. Maybe it's over five months. Maybe it's all in October, God. But Father, may we remember what you ask us to give. Father, simply asking us to give back to you what you've given Father, we love you. We praise you. You ask your blessings upon each one here. You ask your blessings upon this church. And Father, I pray that we would understand, God, that that this is something you want us to do. And God, when we pay this debt off, God, we'll be debt free. And Father, when we do that, we can say, look at what God has done. And we can celebrate and rejoice just like the Israelites did. But Father, help us to remember that when this debt is paid, Father, that the work is not finished. We still have work to do. As we still need to be steadfast in our faith and reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, just show us how we can do that. So this morning, God, may we dedicate and consecrate our lives to you and our finances to you and everything in our lives to you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your time and this word this morning. And Father, we just ask that people would respond according to how you want them to respond. It's in your name we pray. Amen.